Welcome back to another episode of Sentience, All That Matters, the show where we discuss everything vegan, everything about veganism, being an activist, being involved in the animal rights movement. The show has something for everybody, whether you're already vegan, vegan curious, or an activist. Join us each week where we delve into the depths and ask the questions that need answering. So a quick bit of housekeeping, you can find us online at sentienceatm.earth, that's our website. You can message us directly via email, sentienceatm at gmail.com. Please feel free to send in requests for any subject matter you want us to cover. And you can see what we've been up to on our TikTok at activist269. On there you'll see various things from vigils, street outreach, food tables and street theatre that we've carried out in the past year or 18 months. On this week's episode, we will yet again have another animal rights hero to discuss, another person that has given themselves up to the life of animal rights. These shorts are designed to help you understand how people break the disconnect in their own lives and how you can lead to doing the same thing in your own. We will also be deep diving the world of animal testing this week. Yes, with everything from lipstick to headache tablets being tested on animals these days, we delve into what's tested on who, why, and show you why it is a completely pointless exercise that needs to be left in the past for the barbaric torture that it is. And our final topic of conversation this week will be the absolute horror show that is the Yulin Dog Festival. Now the reason we're going to be discussing this is it's a very easy lead-in to start understanding where your disconnect has come from. And I wouldn't have thought that there's many of you that would disagree that breeding, murdering and cooking dogs for a food festival was an acceptable thing to be happening in 2023. So sit back, open your mind and we'll get right to it after this. I'm 
Welcome back. Now, before we get into our first item on this week's agenda, we've had a message through Facebook. So Jack would like to have a better understanding of what veganism means and would like to understand why, even though vegans still cause some animal deaths, we can class ourselves as vegans and how we can talk to people about not killing certain animals whilst other animals are still killed in the production of our food. 
So Jack, more than happy to accommodate there. So as I always say, there's only one place to start and that's at the very beginning. So let's discuss the very definition of veganism. So where better to go than the vegan society for the very definition that we're looking for? So the vegan society states that veganism is a philosophy and a way of living which seeks to exclude in as far as is possible and practicable all forms of exploitation of and cruelty to animals for food, clothing or for any other purpose and by extension promotes the development and use of animal free alternatives for the benefit of animals, humans and the environment. So the key words there in that statement are possible and practicable. So vegans are well aware that they do not live in a vegan world. It is impossible when you're in such a minority to expect that every item you interact with on a daily basis is going to be produced in a vegan way even though this is ultimately the ideal scenario for all vegans so i'm going to go ahead and assume that the example that jack was thinking of was crop deaths now whilst there are obviously crop deaths occurring there are no statistics on how many crop deaths occur and in fact I believe there is only one American group that has ever studied the activities of animals in a field prior to and during and after crops have been harvested and in that one study it proved the majority of animals did relocate to the hedgerows at the edges of the field rather than simply sit and wait to be chopped up by a combine harvester. However, we are obviously aware that some animals do get killed during the harvesting of crops. As vegans, we don't deny this, but we have to eat something. If we could, we would eat rocks to avoid animal deaths. So what's the difference between us allowing animals to die in a field but not wanting to have a cow die in a slaughterhouse for a beef burger? Well, the first and most obvious difference is that the cow was bred and brought into existence for the sole purpose of being killed and exploited in order for an unnecessary reason. You obviously don't need to eat beef to survive. Some people don't even like eating beef, thus proving that human beings don't need to eat beef to survive. We do, however, need to get nutrients from somewhere. The insects, voles and rabbits and field mice that die during the production of crops were not selectively bred and placed in the field to be killed on purpose. They are accidental deaths, albeit ones we wish we could avoid, but they are accidental deaths from the production of foods based on the current food system and the way that we produce the crops. One easy way to equate this in your own mind 
is through necessity. Is there a necessity to breed millions of cows for beef? No. Is there a necessity to grow crops to feed the world? Yes. So whilst we are currently living in a non-vegan world and doing the best we can to be as practical and possible in our choices, we have to unfortunately survive within the current boundaries of our food system. So to sum up, veganism is by no means perfect. But it's better than not caring at all.
So on to the main topic for this week, animal testing. So annually, three million animals die in UK labs alone. That's basically one animal every eight seconds. So just let that sink in for a second. In the UK, every eight seconds, one animal dies due to vivisection or animal experiments. What a wonderful record to hold. So why does animal testing exist? Well, in the UK we test animals for a vast array of products, from weed killer to food and drinks. Animals are also tested for medical research, and this alone has been proven to lead to dangerously misleading results. For example, thousands of chimpanzees have been killed in tests for AIDS, but AIDS doesn't kill chimps. Their bodies react completely differently to a virus that is fatal to humans. Medication also affects animals differently. Paracetamol and aspirin, both highly poisonous to cats. And another huge flaw with animal testing is that because each animal reacts differently, the result can be the deciding factor whether a product goes into the mainstream or not. The biggest example of this would be penicillin, discovered in 1928, was not actually tested for 10 years. When finally it was tested, it was tested on mice rather than the usual guinea pigs. Penicillin is lethal to guinea pigs, so had this been tested on guinea pigs, it would not have been allowed into the marketplace. On the flip side, drugs which have passed animal testing have also caused major issues in humans. Vioxx being one example of an arthritis drug caused 140,000 heart attacks and strokes and has since been withdrawn. Moving forward, the industry not satisfied with using standard bred animals. The animal testing industry has decided to use genetically modified animals bred to have specific genes added or removed or damaged. This is to have the animal grow abnormally or to develop diseases in fact. This causes incredible suffering for those animals and a huge number of bred animals are destroyed simply for not having the correct mutation they had hoped for or just simply being surplus to requirements. Some examples of what happens in the animal testing industry would be mice bred for epilepsy research are repeatedly thrown into the air to trigger seizures which is obviously terrifying for the animal. In depression studies mice are put into a beaker of water with no escape so they can monitor them as they frantically try and survive. The government's own definition for animal experimentation is a procedure which is likely to cause pain, suffering, distress and harm. These animals are kept in small cages or kennels and are killed at the end of the experiments which can last from a few days to a few years. 
the law which states which experiments can take place is so vague it allows pretty much anything to go on. One further strain of animal testing is warfare research where animals are shot, maimed, blown up, gassed and poisoned to see how their bodies react. So now you know the kind of things that go on in animal testing. Who would pay for this sort of thing to be carried on? Well, contract research organisations like pharmaceutical companies, crop production companies, chemical companies, charities even like Cancer Research and the British Heart Foundation also pay for animal testing. And over half of all animal tests actually happen in universities. Current data shows the bottom line is these tests just don't work. Studies have shown that results are as predictable as a guess and this is having a dramatic impact on humans. In 2006 alone, the British Medical Association announced that at least a quarter of a million people a year are hospitalised as a result of adverse drug reactions. Further studies into this have shown the death toll could be 10,000 people per year, costing the NHS £466 million a year. It is estimated that 1% of adverse drug effects are picked up in animal tests, meaning the torture of that animal was utterly pointless. Now, other than the universities that account for over 50% of the animal testing, one of the most prominent animal testing facilities in the UK has to be MBR Acres and the famous MBR Beagles. MBR is an American company based in Cambridgeshire. This breeding facility breeds 2,000 puppies each year. There are also other sites and every puppy is destined for vivisection. The dogs are held in a converted pig shed and the mothers are forced to produce multiple litters. The place is literally a puppy farm, breeding babies to be tortured and killed in the name of science. The pups are taken from their mums at three to four months old and sent to labs across the country. These dogs have tubes put down their throats, masks put over their faces, they're forced to inhale toxins until they die. Then they are dissected to see the effect of the toxins on their organs. When we come back, we'll discuss why this horrific industry even exists in 2023.
So why does this horrendous industry continue? Well, it can be argued that vivisection is carried out for legal reasons, not scientific ones. Vivisection is also big business. Pharmaceutical industries are the most profitable and animal testing means they can bring meds to market quicker and have a legal defense when humans are harmed by drugs. Having run the new drugs through the required animal testing procedures gives them a hall pass against any litigation. As usual, when we follow the ugly smell that comes from industries just like these, all you need to do is look for where the money goes and that will tell you all you need to know. In 2023, our governments should be looking to encourage more of a focus on healthcare, lifestyle and environmental factors. They should be looking at stopping polluting companies and re-evaluating our food system that is making us so sick in the first place. We should be trying to prevent the population from getting ill in the first place. 
So what can you do to help the poor animals trapped in the testing system? You can be more conscientious when buying products. You can look for cruelty-free vegan options. Do your research. There's plenty of apps available for your smartphone where a simple scan of a barcode will determine whether that product has been tested on animals or not, allowing you to vote with your money. One amazing app that you can download for free is called Cruelty Cutter. This app allows you to scan barcodes and product codes and will tell you immediately whether it has been tested on animals. Some manufacturers now also show the Leaping Bunny logo, which is synonymous with not being tested on animals for that product. If you are somebody that uses makeup, you can go on to worldofvegan.com and they have a vegan makeup brand section where you can research the manufacturers, again, that refuse to use animals to test their products. The references for this piece today have been a clinical toxicity study, a pharmacology and toxicology study, modern drug use inquiry on historical principles, regulatory toxicology and pharmacology peer-reviewed paper, and journals of the American Medical Association. All of these and several more papers available for your reference on the Animal Aid website. So there we have it, a relatively brief interlude into the world of animal testing. Zero ethics, highly questionable reasoning, and an obvious money trail to follow. So let's move on to this week's animal rights hero. In this section, we discuss a different person or persons each week that have dedicated themselves to getting the animal rights message out there and have gone above and beyond to ensure that we reach where we want to be. A vegan world where animals are no longer exploited. And this week's animal rights hero is quite personal to me. It's the co-founder of Sentience and my wonderful wife, Claire. So Claire has kindly written her story for me and here it is in her own words. My story is a run of heroes who cross my path, who steer me still. The story started with my daughter who heroically stood up to me and told me she no longer wanted to eat animals or animal products. After being confronted with the idea of no longer eating animals, I began to educate myself on animal rights, watching anything I could find online, Dominion, Earthing Ed, Joey Carbstrong, AV content, etc. As we, became out, as we came out of lockdown, my daughter and I decided to attend Vegan Camp Out 2021 for a girly weekend away. We had a great time and went to loads of talks including one about MBR, MBR Camp Beagle, on hearing this heartbreaking story and seeing over 40 heroes from the audience crowd on stage to show they had been there. I looked at my daughter and we both agreed we needed to go. 
so we left camp early and went to Camp Beagle for the day. We returned home and Leon and I joined an AV group and soon were organising our own events in our own hometown. We were invited to work with a local vegan market and we ran a stall twice a month talking to the vegan community and trying to get people to join on the streets and to outreach. However, it became apparent that we felt that the singular approach of AV was not best for us. So we broke away from the AV model and set up Sentience, All That Matters. Over the next 18 months, we had a whirlwind of change. We left our family home and hugely downsized our living arrangements. We sold our business, which had been running for 16 years, watched our daughter move off to uni and decided to focus on life and more meaningful work. I have attended and helped to organise many street outreach events. I have been able to lead a child-friendly vegan carnival dressed as a butterfly with the Pegasus Humane Meat is a Myth campaign run by Vegan Lynx. I've been a plague doctor leading a funeral march through the city to raise awareness of the torture in slaughterhouses with the walking wake. And I stood in front of different slaughterhouses and heard the screams of dying animals at vigils. We linked with the heroes at the Retreat Animal Sanctuary and attend many times to help, including building a home for Bluebell, a disabled rescue pig. Then a switch happened. Leon and I were planning a trip to Birmingham for the weekend and an email popped into my inbox from a charity called Viva saying there was a debate between vegans and farmers that weekend in Birmingham and a few tickets were left. So we decided to go. There we met for the first time some amazing activists, including Juliet Galately, Ian Tolstoy, Andrew Knight, amongst others, who were doing things in animal rights that we had never dreamed of. With the connections we made at that event, we rolled into a whole new world of activism. Leon and I have spent a week with Kerry Waters from Viva, Dan Kidby from Animal Rebellion, Evie Marshall from Plant-Based Universities, traveling around the UK talking to the farming community about the impacts on their lives. During this week and the training leading up to it, I came to understand the environmental impact of animals on the planet, as well as the impacts of animal farming on the farming community. Since this life-changing project, I've been part of the core team working on the Farmer Dialogue. I've been part of the recruitment and training of activists to roll out this critical project. With the Animal Rebellion, I trained to be a steward and a police liaison, and due to all the organisers being arrested, ended up leading the march through London with Leon and one other person from Animal Rebellion. During the London march, we heard an amazing speech from Hench Herbivore, who said that as vegans, we must be examples of good health to the world. And as we watched the amazing Mel and Steve launch vegan muscle gym wear, we knew that we needed to put our health and physique as a priority too. So wearing vegan branded clothing, we have run Spartan races, half marathons, full marathons, and are now regularly attending the gym, showing that vegans can be strong. Through our work with the Farmer Dialogue, we met the wonderful Dr. Alice Bruff, who gave us the confidence to be able to save the lives of seven beautiful pigs in our first ever animal rescue, the Sussex Seven. We've also become aligned with a new group of activists who, like us, believe that an intersectional approach to animal rights is the right way to go 
so we stand with we the free and through this connection I've now been approached by NARD National Animal Rights Day to organise a local event I'm very nervous as this is much more than I've ever taken on before I knew that I had to use my voice more widely so I joined a public speaking course and just this weekend I've delivered my first ever speech at a Fridays for Future environmental march in Brighton with just three hours notice I have well and truly left my comfort zone on my journey I have met some incredibly heroic people doing so much amazing work and I'm so grateful to be able to do the work I do now I'm also grateful to have my many kind-hearted compassionate people in my life that I can call my friends looking forward I know that my newest adventure has the potential to make the greatest impact I have recently trained be a school speaker and I will soon be able to address classes of young people to discuss veganism and plant seeds that will hopefully develop into something greater. The next generation will be the ones that tip the scales. We just need to reach them. I have an opportunity now to do so. But none of the things that I've detailed above would have happened without the biggest hero in my life. My amazing partner and husband Leon who stands with me fighting with me when I need him to, stands behind me supporting me when I need him to, or standing in front of me protecting me when I need him to. be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you by now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do i don't believe that anybody feels the way i do about you now backbeat the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out Sure, you've heard it all before, but you never really had a doubt. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. And all the roads we have to walk are winding, and all the lights that lead us there are blinding. There are many things that I About you now 
Okay, so moving on to our last subject for this week. The horrendous Yulin Festival. Now, for those of you that don't know what this is or have never heard of it, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival, commonly known as the Yulin Festival, is an annual event held in Yulin in southwest China. The festival is held on the lunar summer solstice day every year. Beginning in 2009, this annual event was initially promoted by dog meat traders and dog meat restaurants in connection with the local government as a tourism initiative to drive revenue into an otherwise poor rural city. The festival has been met with immediate outcry and has since remained an extremely divisive event since its inception. So yes, there is a specifically designed government-backed festival in China where thousands of dogs are bred each year specifically to be murdered, cooked and eaten at this festival. Don't believe me? Well, a simple Google search of Yulin Dog Festival will show you all you need to know. As always, do your own research. So, eating dogs at a festival in China is nothing new, and actually dog meat is eaten daily in, in Yulin. Dogs are stolen and transported hundreds of miles in horrendous conditions also to Yulin, where they are slaughtered and eaten every single day of the year. It is also important to note that even with a decree declaring dogs as companion animals in 2020 and the coronavirus pandemic, with the temporary ban on live and wet markets, the Union Festival was still held in 2020, albeit on a much smaller scale. The largest reported number of dogs eaten during a Yulin festival was over 10,000. Now, international outcry over this horrendous treatment of these beautiful sentient dogs has led to the festival shrinking in size and the latest numbers are around 3,000 as opposed to the 10,000. However, that's 3,000 innocent sentient beings being bred, slaughtered and cooked for people to enjoy a sandwich. Now why are we bringing up the Yulin Dog Festival? What possible connection can this have to animal agriculture and what we're doing in the UK? Surely this is a barbaric practice only held in one particular country and what has that got to do with you when you're in the supermarket and the choices that you're making. I mean, you wouldn't dream of taking your companion animal, tying up his legs, strapping his mouth shut, slitting his throat and putting him on a spit to cook to make a barbecue. So how is this awful practice comparable to what you're paying into? I mean, you've only got to go onto YouTube and search for Man Saves Dog and there'll be a plethora of videos where some brave soul has gone into an icy lake to save a dog from drowning 
with millions of views of that video and thousands of comments congratulating the animal rescuing hero. So why mention such a horrendous festival on the show and what am I trying to get you to see? Well, if you currently lived in Yulin and your family brought you up eating dog meat, it would be perfectly normal for you to eat dogs. Now, in this country, we're brought up eating cows, chickens, pigs, etc. And it's perfectly normal because our traditions and cultures have dictated as such. It's only through taking a deeper look and having a better understanding that we're able to look back and see that something we're currently doing is wrong and make the necessary changes. In the UK, we see dogs as companion animals. We spend money on them, we adopt them, we give them a name, a warm bed and a meal each day and treat them like part of the family. The disconnect comes when we decide that a pig is nothing more than a packet of bacon for us to have for breakfast. Yet the dog sat next to us is a companion animal that must be treated with love and respect. So firstly, if you do have a companion animal of your own, or you have friends or family that have companion animals that you see on a regular basis, I'd like you to just take a second to think if somebody came and collected that companion animal, that member of your family, and transported them for hours, hundreds of miles to Yulin, with you knowing what was going to happen in the next few days, would you be okay with that? Now one would hope that the answer running through your head is, no, you wouldn't be okay with that. You then need to ask yourself why you wouldn't be okay with that. Why you wouldn't be okay for your companion animal, your family member, to be murdered for someone to have a sandwich. You then need to transition those feelings and thoughts onto the cow, the chicken, and the pig. And the disconnect becomes patently obvious. Now I personally have two companion animal dogs and they are both entirely different beings. They have different personalities, different wants and needs, different ways they like to be cuddled, different ways they like to be scratched, different balls and toys they like to play with, and they are their own individual somebodies. Exactly the same can be said for your cow, your chicken, and your pig, that you are happy to pay to go through the same process as a dog in the Yulin Dog Festival. So I'm asking you to make that connection and understand why the feelings of one sentient being is the same as the feelings of the next sentient being, whatever the species, wherever that sentient being has been born, irrespective of borders, the value of sentient life is clear. These dogs are not a product and their lives are not ours to take for a festival sandwich.
So please try and remember the point of these shows and the discussions is never to lecture. It's never to talk to you in a derogatory manner and accuse you of things. It is simply here to help you open your mind and make an informed choice. Whenever I'm advocating for the animals, I always remember how I would like to be spoken to myself. And I'm absolutely clear that had I been spoken to disrespectfully when I first heard of veganism and animal rights, I would have most definitely turned away from the information and not paid attention to the facts that were being shown to me. I would never be in the position that I am now. So why can I expect to talk to you in a derogatory manner and have you still pay any kind of attention to what I'm trying to get you to understand? If you've listened to any of our other shows, you will know by now my stance on how people should be spoken to and how veganism should be introduced into people's minds. You are far more likely to be open to taking on the information and making further investigations yourself if I've been kind and respectful to you. I too, at one point, ate animals. And why is my journey any different to the journey that you're going on? And on that kale bombshell, we're out of time again. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Husband don't know what he's done Kids don't know what's wrong with mum She can't say, they can't see Putting it down to another bad day Daddy don't know what he's done Kids don't know what's wrong with mum So this is how it feels to be lonely This is how it feels to be small This is how it feels when your word means nothing at all There's a funeral in the town Some guy from the top estate Seems they found him under a train And yet he had it all on a plate So this is how it feels to be lonely This is how it feels to be small This is how it feels when your word means nothing at